It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. I just got off the air moments ago talking about the House impeaching President Trump for a second time. Spoiler alert, it's going to happen. It may already have happened by the time you hear the podcast. But the House was enmeshed in a kind of a procedural debate. First, you have to debate the rule under which impeachment will actually be debated. And then uh, they will get to the actual debate itself. Now, there's never been any question that Nancy Pelosi has the votes to impeach President Trump. But there are a whole lot of questions about how many Republicans may go along. That's part of what I was talking about. I must say I was struck listening even to the preliminary debate. And it was um, passionate but civil. And I think that's a good thing, given that emotions are running so high in the wake of the horrible, horrifying, heartbreaking uh, insurrection at the Capitol uh, one week ago today. Uh, But, you know, some members got up there and there was one woman who actually, you know, had reservations about the impeachment. But she said, you know, I was fearing for my life. And if my kids had been with me, uh, the two people who are most important to me, you know, their lives would have been in danger as well. I mean, there's just no way for any member of Congress. Remember, they were all there last Wednesday to certify or attempt to certify, as it turned out, the Electoral College results uh, to separate um, their strong political feelings from their personal feelings, having been through an ordeal, which, as we have learned much more about the careful planning that went into this and the, the people who brought long guns and, and, and Molotov cocktails and, 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 and how a gallows was set up outside the Capitol and the zip ties and all of that. You know, as I spent a fair amount of time talking about on yesterday's podcast, uh, this could have been a much more severe outcome. This could have ended in a massacre. And we are very lucky and have some brave uh, Capitol Police officers to thank for the fact that it did not. But they were totally outmanned. And, you know, and some of them uh, have already been suspended. And I think some of them may face criminal charges for aiding and abetting. Uh, I don't want to call them the protesters. I'll call them the criminals, the thugs, uh, the insurrectionists. Um, the, the backdrop here right now is that uh, two Republican members of Congress, have done something that has seemingly changed the landscape. Seemingly changed the landscape. And one of them is Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney uh, announced late yesterday that she will vote today to impeach president of her own party. And in my view, that gives political cover to additional House Republicans if they desire um, to go along with the impeachment. Because Liz Cheney is not just a, doesn't just have a well-known last name. She is the number three House Republican. She is a member of the leadership, and she is breaking with the leadership, the only uh, member of the leadership to do that, uh, the Wyoming Congresswoman, to say that Donald Trump should be impeached for his actions uh, one week ago and in the whole sort of challenging of the Electoral College results. Um, And she put out this blistering statement saying the president of the United States summoned this mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. There has never been a greater betrayal by a president of the United States of his office and his oath to the Constitution. And what happened is, if if that sounds personal, it is. And not just because Liz Cheney was one of 535 members of Congress who went through this horrible ordeal. Last Wednesday morning, on the morning of the riot, 
when the president was talking to the rally and saying, let's march up Pennsylvania Avenue, I might join you, and of course he didn't. Um, he singled out Liz Cheney by name. He said, we got to get rid of these weak Congress people like Liz Cheney. Now, she didn't know that at the time because she was in the House, and it was reported today that her father, former Vice President Dick Cheney, called her, got hold of her in the cloakroom and said, Trump just went after you by name. Based on that, Congresswoman Cheney was to um, was going to march out to the floor and make a statement. But before she could do that, the attack was out of control. And she and all of her colleagues, Democrat and Republican, you know, were hustled off the floor and taken to her, whatever locations they were to shelter in place. So she never got to make that statement, but obviously she made a version of that statement um, yesterday in saying she will vote for impeachment. And look, you know, some on some level, it's no surprise because she was part of the Bush administration, not just because her dad was the VP, but because but she was named the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State uh, while Dick Cheney was Vice President and George W. Bush was President, and Trump ran against the Bush administration throughout his campaign, said he wasn't a fan of the Bush administration, railed against the Iraq war, for which obviously Vice President Cheney was a major, um, not just cheerleader, but architect. Um, And so there was no love lost between the Bushies and the Trumpistas. Uh, Now, I'm not suggesting, because I think it would be be belittling to do so, that Liz Cheney is supporting impeachment solely because of that, because she didn't support the first impeachment over the Ukraine phone call. Uh, I think that she is acting as a matter of conscience. In fact, um, probably she is going to make a lot of enemies within the Republican Party by doing this. Now, there are only five Republican House members, as I'm speaking to you, who have gone on the record and say we will support impeachment. She's one of them. Uh, There have been estimates that the number could go as high as 20. It doesn't really matter. You get impeached, whether it's by one vote or by 50 votes. But it does matter symbolically because it enables the Democrats to say the more Republicans that go along, it enables the Democrats to say, well, this is a bipartisan effort. It's not like last time. Well, I think there was one lone re- Republican outlier who joined uh, the Democrats. Um, and so that would be politically significant. And then you get to the question of the Senate trial. And that leads me to the other Republican whose words, while not quoted directly, have absolutely exploded like a bombshell here in Washington. Mitch McConnell, we first saw this in the New York Times, and the reason we know it's not just the New York Times, you know, going off half-cocked, first of all, by uh, two of their frontline reporters, Jonathan Martin and Maggie Haberman. Mitch McConnell's office confirmed uh, at least a version of this story to a half-dozen other news outlets, including Fox News. So the Times was just out there first, With this lead, Senator Mitch McConnell has concluded that President Trump committed impeachable offenses and believes that Democrats' move to impeach him will make it easier to purge Mr. Trump from the party, according to people familiar with Mr. McConnell's thinking. Now, let me tell you something about Mitch McConnell, who I've met a few times and chatted with. This is a guy who um, is a fierce partisan, as we saw in 2016, when he wouldn't even allow a vote on Merrick Garland uh, as President Obama's Supreme Court nominee. He does everything he can, and he famously said after Obama's election, I'm going to do everything in my power 
to make Barack Obama a one-term president. Obviously, he didn't succeed in that. A lot of people thought that was excessively partisan. So, so McConnell is a Republican warrior who knows the Senate and its parliamentary procedures inside and out. But he also cares about the institution. And he runs a really tight ship. You know, there are no leaks from McConnell's office except those uh, that perhaps are those that he wants out there. And that's why I feel great confidence in saying to you, Mitch McConnell wanted this story out there. He wanted the New York Times to write this story. He wanted other news organizations to pick up on it. Uh, you know, you, NBC has confirmed, or CNN has confirmed, or the Washington Post has confirmed, and Fox News has confirmed. So this was a plan on the part of McConnell. Now, why did he do that? That's a very interesting question. I think for one thing, McConnell has had it with President Trump, and the story in the Times makes this clear. As the New York Times says, here's the key passage from the Times. Mr. McConnell has indicated he wants to see the specific article of impeachment that the House is set to approve on Wednesday and to hear the eventual arguments in the Senate. But the Senate Republican leader has made clear in private discussions that he believes now is the moment to move on from Mr. Trump, whom he blames for causing Republicans to lose the Senate. Brief interjection here. Nobody thought both Republican senators were going to lose in Georgia, and Donald Trump, by making it all about him and his charges of a stolen election, and even challenging their own uh, results in the earlier round of November in Georgia, does bear substantial responsibility for handing control of the Senate to the Democrats. McConnell has not spoken to Trump since mid-December, the Times reminds us, when the senator informed the president he would be recognizing Biden as president-elect after the Electoral College certified. And if you'll remember in mid-December, McConnell gave a pretty passionate speech. I mean, he's not a passionate guy. He's not a great orator. But, you know, he talked about the danger to the republic of allowing uh, the legislative body to overturn um, the votes of millions of Americans, you know, just in some sort of political power game. He laid down a marker that he was against it. Now, I don't think any of this proves that Mitch McConnell will vote for impeachment. He might. If he does, I don't know how many Republicans he would bring with him. I don't think that he would whip the vote. And what that means is, and they're not doing this, and Republicans aren't doing this in the House today, when you whip the vote, you go out and you tell all of your members in your caucus, uh, this is the position of the leadership, and you are expected to follow it. And if you deviate from this, there will be consequences. You could lose a committee assignment. Uh, if you want any favors from our offices, whether it's the speaker or the majority leader, you can kind of forget about it, to use a New York term. Um, but there are other votes that they don't whip, and they're votes of conscience. And I think that McConnell will allow his members to vote however they want when this comes to the Senate trial. Uh, now remember, 17 Republican senators would have to defect, would have to vote to convict President Trump for that to take place. Uh, I wrote today that I think that's very unlikely, even with McConnell's defection. I still think it's unlikely. What a lot of media analysts are saying today, well, now for the first time, it's not impossible. And I suppose that is true. Um, it kind of depends on how long this trial takes, what evidence comes out, and all of that. Keep in mind, that the, the guy who will be running the show once the Senate does take up this trial is Chuck Schumer. Mitch McConnell at that point will be minority leader. Schumer will probably try to have as quick a trial as he can. 
Uh, now, here's another interesting point. You know, Joe Biden has known Mitch McConnell for a long time, and not for nothing was Joe Biden a senator for 36 years. And Biden was often sent to the Hill by Obama, who had no deep ties on Capitol Hill, to negotiate with McConnell uh, over things the Obama administration wanted to get through. So on Monday, the Times reports, Biden called McConnell to ask, would it be possible, called him directly, to set up a dual track where the Senate could spend half the day confirming Biden's cabinet nominees or doing other business, you know, coronavirus relief package, for example, and the other half of the day holding a Senate trial. And what was uh, McConnell's response to this? He said that was a question for the Senate parliamentarian, but he promised Biden a quick answer. He said, I'll get back to you on that. So what all this does is sow a fair amount of doubt about how the Senate trial will go. I still believe the overwhelming odds are that President Trump will not be convicted by the Senate as he was not convicted in the first impeachment. And here's part of why I say that. By, no matter how f- quickly the Senate moves, Donald Trump will be a private citizen probably living at Mar-a-Lago. And even senators who ha- are deeply troubled by what he, the president did uh, in summoning people to Washington, saying it's going to be wild, giving that speech, they go down to the... And then not rushing to, say, stop the violence, go home, having to be pushed by his staff to issue a couple of mixed tweets on that subject. Even those senators, Republican senators, I should say, who uh, have deep doubts about the president's actions, they have an easy out. They can say, look, Donald Trump is out of office. We don't have to do anything. The purpose of impeachment, they can say, is to remove somebody from office who is not fit to hold that office. That's already been accomplished. Let's move on in the spirit of unity, President Biden and all that. It's an easy out, and I think some Republicans will take it, but I don't know. The, the dynamic now is not as clear as it was. Um, now, on the House side, Kevin McCarthy, the House minority leader, who will remain minority leader, um, he is against impeachment. He's made no doubt about that. But he also was privately asking other Republicans whether he should call for Trump to resign in the aftermath of a riot. Obviously, he's decided not to do that. But the fact that he was even entertaining that shows that McCarthy has been wounded by this and he's trying to figure out what to do. Um, Now, there is a report from Axios that Kevin McCarthy had an intense conversation with Trump uh, in which the president floated conspiracy theories about the rioters and McCarthy pushed back forcefully. Now, is this McCarthy's office leaking this to try to cast him as standing up to the president? I do not know. Uh, Axios' take on McConnell, who, by the way, is 78 years old, the same age as the president-elect, knows this fight will be his legacy. A Republican familiar with McConnell's thinking is quoted as saying, if you're McConnell, you want to be remembered for defending the Senate and the institution. Uh, Axios says McConnell is furious at Trump for his total lack of remorse for the Capitol siege and believes Trump could only be an impediment to Republicans regaining the Senate majority that they lost on the president's watch. Now, pushing, by the way, there's no White House team up there uh, trying to defend the president on the House impeachment. They just don't have the troops. Uh, The the White House has been hollowed out. There have been a lot of resignations. And there are others, like Pat Sippel on the White House Council, who simply don't want to be part of this. They're taking a pass. But Jason Miller, who was a key advisor to the Trump campaign, uh, is now saying, if you're a Republican who votes for impeachment, you're likely serving your last term. 
citing uh, some poll numbers from John McLaughlin, the Trump campaign pollster. Look, I don't have any doubt that any Republican who votes for impeachment, if Donald Trump remains a force in this GOP, you know, will, could face a primary challenge, could get knocked out of office. It, it, it's in a way you don't make anybody happy, and that's the dilemma for Republican um, members of Congress. Don't go anywhere. More Buzzmeter coming your way in just a moment. Going back to Liz Cheney for just a moment, in the heat of that moment after her father called her and said Trump had called you out, uh, she wasn't able to speak on the floor, but she was able once sheltering place to call Fox News. And she said then, in the heat of the moment, there is no question the president formed the mob, the president incited the mob, the president addressed the mob. Uh, He lit the flame. Liz Cheney, before she was a congresswoman, was a uh, Fox News contributor. So she called into Fox and that's what she said. Uh, Other people jumping off the train, Jason Riley, Columnist for the conservative Wall Street Journal's uh, opinion pages said Republic, uh, the headline is, This time, Trump's impeachment is warranted. Republicans should worry more about what's right for the country than their own electoral futures. Now, yesterday, I read from a pretty detailed report in the Washington Post about the complete collapse of the relationship between Mike Pence and Donald Trump. How uh, Pence was furious with Trump. Trump, although they ended up meeting in the Oval Office earlier this week, um, never actually called to find out if Trump was, if, if Pence was okay. I mean, after all, there were people throughout that marching. Some of them had weapons saying, hang Mike Pence. And he's sheltering in place with his Secret Service agents. And the president never got in touch with them to find out, Mike, are you okay? Are you, how are you feeling? Of course, the president had, had tweeted, Mike Pence must have the courage to do the right thing. So, the New York Times has its Pence piece today, sort of playing catch-up, but it's got some really uh, interesting nuggets in here. Trump was enraged that Pence was refusing to try to overturn the election. By the way, he had no power to do that under the Constitution. And he was repeatedly cajoling and browbeating his vice president in the run-up to last Wednesday. And finally, just before Vice President Pence went to the Capitol to do his constitutional duty and oversee the electoral vote. Uh, Trump called him one last time, and he said this, according to the New York Times. You can either go down in history as a patriot, or you can go down in history as a pussy. Wow. No wonder Pence is pissed. Uh, Two people who briefed on the conversation confided this quote. Um, It kind of shows you Trump's mindset. And it kind of showed you how Pence must have been feeling as he was evacuated to the basement of the Capitol. He was offered to be spirited out of the Capitol. He decided against doing that. As the Times puts it, the loyal lieutenant, who had almost never diverged from the president, who had finessed every other possible fracture, finally came to a decision point he could not avoid. He would uphold the election despite the president and despite the mob. And he would pay the price with the political base he once hoped to harness for his own run for the White House. By the way, not everyone gave Pence credit, arguing that he shouldn't be lionized for following the Constitution uh, after maintaining his deference to the president for nearly four years. That's how Democrats view it. Uh, Politico has a piece quoting uh, a former Pence advisor as saying, Pence is done with Trump's BS, but saying out the word. Uh, he's not going to give a primetime speech saying F you, Donald Trump, but in his own way, he is going to just get to the finish line and keep his head down. 
by the way, Pence formally sent a letter back to Nancy Pelosi last night, as everyone knew he would, saying he is not going to invoke the 25th Amendment. He's not, he may be angry at the president, but he's not going that far. And he noted in that letter that he had resisted pressure. He didn't mention the president, but he said to the Speaker Pelosi, I resisted pressure uh, to try to uh, aid efforts to overturn the Electoral College results when I was presiding uh, over the Senate last Wednesday, uh, but I think this goes too far. And so he, once again, is back to finessing. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was, of course, one of the members who, you know, had to shelter there. And she made an hour-long video on Instagram. It was viewed by about 100,000 people, and I'm sure that number will continue to go up. And when she spoke very candidly about being worried about her own life, and she, this is fascinating, AOC says in this Instagram video that when members of Congress are being rounded up to all go shelter in the same place, Republicans and Democrats, remember two Democratic Congresswomen got COVID-19, they say because some of the Republican members refused to wear masks. AOC says she wouldn't go along with that mass sheltering because she says she is worried that some of her own Republican colleagues might have divulged her location to the mob outside, putting her at risk for a kidnapping or worse. So she found her own hiding place because she was afraid. I, you know, was this a legitimate fear on AOC's part? Was she being a little paranoid? Or are relations such that would somebody have really given her up? Here's what she said. She said it was a pretty traumatizing event that left her fearing for her life. Quote, I can tell you that I had a very close encounter where I thought I was going to die. She said she couldn't get into specifics for security reasons. Quote, I did not know if I was going to make it to the end of that day alive. Well, you know, whether you like AOC, you don't like AOC, you don't like her politics, you like her politics, nobody should have to go through that. And in some way, shape or form, all 535 members of Congress went through that. Yes, they weren't injured or killed the way, sadly, Capitol Police officer was, but they could have been. And that's why I think the, 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 the tensions, the angst, the raw emotions are still running so high on this day of impeachment. You know who's got an opinion piece in the Washington Post today? Hillary Rodham Clinton, who, of course, uh, has, uh, after losing to Donald Trump in 2016, has been a fierce critic of his. She says Wednesday's attack on the Capitol was tragically, it was the tragically predictable result of white supremacist grievances fueled by President Trump. But his departure from office, says Hillary, whether immediately or on January 20th, will not solve the deeper problems caused by this episode. Exposed by this episode, what happened is cause for grief and outrage. It should not be cause for shock. What were too often passed off as the rantings of an unfortunate but temporary figure in public life, there's a diss, are in reality part of something much bigger. That's the challenge that confronts us all. So she's saying, look, it's not just Trump. Trump was channeling uh, a white supremacist strain in our culture. She says that um, getting uh, Trump out of there, I believe he should be impeached, that members of Congress who joined him in subverting our democracy should resign, and those who conspire with domestic terror should be expelled. But for all that, says Hillary, that alone won't remove white supremacy and extremism from America. And she talks about the changes that we have to pursue, new criminal laws at the state and federal levels and so forth. So um, she's seizing the opportunity to speak out. 
Meanwhile, today, or has uh, been reported today, YouTube, owned by Google, has now joined Facebook and Instagram and Twitter in banning Donald Trump uh, and the Trump channels that he has on YouTube. But in YouTube's case, it's only for the remaining week of his term, unlike Twitter's permanent ban. But this does show Google joining the big tech effort to silence the president and citing, you know, concerns about continued violence. Because make no mistake, after what, you know, there may be, or there's a photo I saw this morning of all of these National Guard troops inside the Capitol napping on the marble floors while the debate over impeachment is taking place. You know, they don't have anything else to do, but they're there. And there's going to be thousands and thousands of National Guard troops there, not just for the day of Biden's inauguration, but for all the days leading up to that. And that makes sense. They should have been there last Wednesday. But a whole series of spectacularly bad judgments, miscalculations, and people worried about the optics still pisses me off. Anyway. But, you know, uh, so Google May is just is going to do this just for a week until Trump's out of office. That's what it looks like. Um, nevertheless, Trump, you know, Trump doesn't have Twitter right now. He doesn't have Google. He doesn't have YouTube. He doesn't have Facebook. But he's got this huge megaphone. I mean, he went down to the border and gave a speech yesterday. He talked to reporters a couple of times. That's when he said that this impeachment was a witch hunt. It was ridiculous. Um, you know, he's still, he's still got the megaphone. Now, how much of the megaphone he has once he goes back to Mar-a-Lago, is a very different question. But we are seeing more retaliation. In fact, I'll get into this piece in The Atlantic in a minute. In a minute, this morning, Mayor Bill de Blasio went on MSNBC and announced with great fervor, I am cutting off the Trump Organization's contracts with New York City. Uh, now, this is about $17 million in contracts, which is not insignificant, but it's not billions of dollars. And de Blasio claims he has the power to do this because, you know, Trump committed treason or, you know, insurrection or he aided and abetted insurrection. And there's a clause in the contract that if you commit a crime, we can cut off your contract. Well, that'll obviously be the subject of litigation. Now, these are contracts for the Trump organization to run the uh, ice skating rink that Donald Trump helped renovate back in 1987. That's when I first got to know him. Uh, 1986, I think the year may have been. Uh, also, he runs a golf course, or his organization does in the Bronx. Uh, he runs the carousel at the Central Park Zoo. It's not the big ticket stuff, but of course, de Blasio, who ran for president, failed miserably. You know, had to drop out in the blink of an eye. You know, is not going to miss an opportunity to beat up on Trump, whether or not um, it's contractually legal for him to do that or not. Um, but it brings me uh, to Washington Post piece, which says that the real estate giant, if you live in New York, you know the name Cushman and Wakefield. They lease so many commercial buildings. Told the Washington Post it will no longer work with Trump. The company has handled uh, lots of businesses for Trump, including leasing at Trump Tower and at 40 Wall Street, retail leasing in Chicago. So it's another one of these companies that's saying, hey, you know what? We don't want to be associated with the Trump brand anymore after many, many years. PGA doing the same thing by moving the next year's championship away from the Trump New Jersey golf course. Which brings me to this piece in, in The Atlantic, which says the following. This is how the president's term ends, with the GOP dithering and CEOs swashbuckling. Uh, the business celebrity who pledged to train the swamp will face no real will face no real consequences or callability in swampy Washington. That's if you don't count a second impeachment, only to have his bullhorn muffled and political cult kneecapped by the business community. Why now? The Atlantic says. Well, you know, for one thing, it followed this horrible, unprecedented attack on the seat of government. 
but also businesses know, you know, which way the political winds are blowing. So they're taking these steps now after the Democrats won control of not just the White House, but both houses of Congress, after the runoffs in Georgia, after Congress certified Trump's electoral defeat. In other words, corporate America didn't punish the powerful, says The Atlantic. It punished a lame duck president at the nadir of his power. Now, does the punishment of a media blackout fit the crime of attempted insurrection? That's what the magazine is asking. And what it says is, look, these companies, what they're doing is, it's sort of like self-preservation. They're trying to appeal to consumers and employees uh, who are courting, and they are courting the opinions of younger workers who tend to be moderate or lean left. But the Republican Party is subject to the whims of its members who still overwhelmingly support the president. And many of those Republican voters are older. So basically, the, the verdict in this piece, and I think it's got some resonance to it, is Republican Party, which I still believe is not going to convict Donald Trump, and I still believe you'll get, what, 5, 10, 20 Republican votes for impeachment, has got to placate its base. It's an older base. It's a very pro-Trump base. That may change over time, but right now the Republican Party overwhelmingly loves Donald Trump, talking about the rank and file. But for corporate America, uh, even those who donated to Trump, that backed Trump, and even some of his own friends like Tom Barrack, uh, who urged him to gracefully concede, they are now seeing Trump or are trying to make Trump and the Trump organization into a radioactive brand. They're worried about younger people who are liberals or moderates for whom Trump is kind of a pariah. And that's why you see this split, this divide between the political wing and the corporate wing that it always back, usually backs Republicans and had long backed Donald Trump, but not anymore. Well, we'll update you all tomorrow on how the House debate turned out, what the prospect is in the Senate, and you know more about what the Biden administration is doing. By the way, just to hate to close on a terrible note, Biden is trying to shake up his coronavirus response and his plans because yesterday, another record-breaking day, more than 44 100 Americans, 4,400 Americans die from the coronavirus. This is what's not getting attention because of the impeachment and the upcoming Senate trial. But it should get extraordinary attention, not just from our leaders here in Washington, but from all the governors. They've got to find a way to boost the vaccine rate. They've got to get more people vaccinated. About 9 million Americans have been vaccinated. I'm sorry, that's 2% of the population. We have got to do better. And with that, Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day. See you back here tomorrow with more BuzzFeed. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.